All right, we're live. Yo, what's up, guys? It's great. My name is Michael Keating. I'm Max Tate. I'm Jennifer. And this is the Step of Faith podcast. We got another incredible guest on today that we're both really excited about. I don't know how we keep getting all these great people on. Max knows so many great people more than I do. So <laughs> I just keep asking him. Max got a whole list of great people that we wanted to bring on. And Jennifer is one of those people. And um, when Max brought up the idea of bringing on Jennifer, I was all for it. Um, she's in FCA with Max at Springfield. And, you know, I've only met with her over the phone, but she's always like involved in the meeting. She always has great stuff to say. So we're just trying to get more people on here and just talk about their journeys. And a lot of people are relating to people's journeys. I get texts all the time. So I definitely feel like this is going to be no different. So, you know, we're just going to roll it over to Jennifer. Like we always do, just roll it over and kind of just talk about, you know, your faith journey with Christ, how it started, you know, where it is now and just like whatever you want to share with us. Okay. Um, I think I got into my faith a lot ever since I was younger because my parents are really religious. Like they, they were Pentecostal back in Haiti because both of my parents are not from here. So they're immigrants. And um, back at home, my mother was, my mother and her parents were really like church orientated. And my dad was actually the newcomer. That's how they met actually, like being in church. So they met in church. So like ever since then, like I was always brought up to like go to church every Sunday or like, it was just always in my blood. So like, I always knew the Bible. I always knew Jesus and stuff. But I think as I got older, like especially in high school, maybe like 10th grade, I like kind of took a pause going to church and stuff. Like there was like a really long gap until maybe 12th grade senior year that I started going to church more and especially like freshman year of college like that was really hard for me like I literally did not have any faith until like probably second semester and like I literally was like I don't know some like God came inside my dorm and was like come back and I just like had to come back yeah that's awesome that's awesome um uh so since you've come back um, through, I know you're involved with FCA. How did that come about? Was that just like something in your heart that you just felt compelled to, or like, did a friend recommend it to you or? Yeah. Um, with FCA, um, I heard about it actually with Marilyn, my freshman year. And I was like, kind of hesitant to go because I was just like, nobody else is like, really like, I've never heard of FCA, but then actually last semester I think when you got when we had the Hillsong concert or something mm -hmm. they mentioned it to me and I was like oh I should go and because I listened to Hillsong so I was like okay I'll try I'll go like it's a concert and it's like a new club so I should try it out so like I went and then Marilyn and some other people invited me to have dinner with them on like before FCA huddle meetings or something and then that's how I like got into the club more and then ever since quarantine like the bible study I really liked so. that's awesome yeah, yeah, you definitely. Oh, you definitely. <laughs> this is uncut, uncensored <laughs> times right now. We don't, we don't, don't guy. even cut it out. I, I want that in right there. I want it in. I don't even know who that is, but <laughs> my mom apologized. Hi, mom. A pape. <laughs> no, no, uncensored here. You know, we're oh, all, it's, it's all uncut. You know, that's the way we like it. But, um, yeah, you were talking about how you were kind of a little bit strong in your faith and then you kind of walked away and then you came back to it and I could totally relate. 
um, in that sense, especially. And I just kind of wanted to just like bounce some ideas off of kind of just like what kind of brought you really back to wanting faith. Like you talked about how like you felt like God was really pulling on your heart to come back. And then what was like that turning point where you're just like, you know, I don't really know, but I want to give this a second shot. Was there like a point where you're just like, you know, this has been really tough and I feel like, you know, it's time to give this faith uh, another try. Um, well, for me, freshman year, so this is kind of a long story, but I'll try to cut it short. But like freshman year, I really had like a weird type of group kind of friends and stuff. It was like college, going into college was something new for me. And like, there was just like drugs, alcohol, party. And I really got into like partying and stuff. And like, uh, when I went to this party, like me, I drink too much. And then all of a sudden, like, it was just like a bad, bad thing, like a bad situation that happened. And then the next day, I didn't remember anything. But like the next day, I literally was like, oh my gosh, how am I still alive? Like, wow, I'm like, I'm still here. And like, it was just such a turning point because anything like during that night, during that moment, like everything was bad. Like there was no positive, everything was negative. It was just darkness all around. Mm. And I was just like, I didn't even have like, I wasn't even aware about my surroundings and like everything was just like dull. And I was just like so numb about everything going on. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, wow, like God, I'm still alive. And I remember still to this day, like that night when I was like, not okay. I remember me saying like, God, please save me. Like, please come and help me. And like the next day, and it was Sunday too. The next day, like, I woke up to like my roommate playing Christian music and I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much God, for like waking me up and like yeah. being alive. And like, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That, and that, that's a great testimony. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. The question that I have in terms of, you know, kind of coming back to the faith, how, like in times of adversity, how has your faith helped you, especially kind of like, with all the, the negativity that's going on right now? Because I know you mentioned um, the darkness that you're in, and I feel like right now the world is in such darkness. So, like, how has your, face, your faith uh, helped see the light? Um, for me right now, especially with police brutality and my Black community struggling right now, I think my faith, like, um, just being around my parents, it helped me a lot. And just reading the bible and like not only just like say, like saying a prayer and stuff but like mixing up my faith and action together really helped me like not only am i praying for this to change like i'm going out and i'm protesting and i'm using my platform or whatever i have like in this time to like speak or like educate people or like be like hey like i haven't seen you do this but like do you mind looking into this so like mm. yeah awesome no, that that's an awesome point. And I, I'm really glad you brought up um, that point. And it seems like you're really passionate about this movement. And I've seen a lot of my friends really passionate about this movement, including me and Max, you know, we're trying to get out there and help in any way that we can. And, um, you know, just, you know, coming off of that point, because, you know, I know this, this time in life that we're going through right now is so difficult for a lot of people, and especially African Americans with the police brutality and everything going on and kind of just like hearing 
from your like point of view and a reason why we wanted to have you on too is just to start the conversation because I feel like a lot of people sometimes sometimes I have difficulty just starting the conversation and you know this is something that I'm still trying to get into I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to hear people's perspective so I can have a better understanding when I when this all the stuff was happening I was looking to John chapter 4 with Jesus and the Samaritan where he he says that I want to drink from your cup and the Samaritan woman looks to her and he's like do you understand that you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan mm-hmm. and that really brings light to a lot of things because until you're willing to drink from that cup that other people drink from, you're never going to understand the circumstances that they go through on an everyday basis. Mm. And that's something that I've really come to terms with is like, I've never had to stay in those shoes. I never had to go through probably what you've gone through. And I never had to go through that. And I never had to drink from that cup. So that's why we have to have conversations like this, where we try to understand and we try to listen of what cup they've had to drink from from the longest time so we could have the better understanding of how to go through that so i just kind of wanted to get your understanding about you know what's going on in the world and because i know you're passionate about it i know if you want to say anything like further on the topic yeah um also mike shout out to you because every time you speak in like the F- fca meetings or something you like bring up the bible verse and i'm just like yes amen, amen, amen. thank you jennifer i love you girl <laughs> um yeah but like Going back to that, um, I'm definitely passionate about the Black Lives Matter movement and like speaking on that, uh, my faith really, I've been like not tempted, but like, I'm really like, people say I come off a bit aggressive or something, but for me, like, I don't know. I'm just like, I was just like so aware of my surroundings, especially during this time because a lot of people close to me didn't really say anything or they chose to be quiet. And, like, also shout out to you, Max. Thank you so much for your message. Like, I was so surprised that, like, FCA, like, I didn't think that, like, you know, church or, like, something like that would ever be upon on this, like, movement or something because, like, Mm. none of my closest friends have said anything to me about this or, like, reached out to me or see how I'm feeling. Like, and it really hurt me because I was just, like, I'm surrounding myself with people that don't care or, like, they don't want to give time to this important situation that's going on. And, like, just to see how, like, FCA or, like, my church really, like, come and, like, talk to me about it and be like, hey, how are you doing? Like, this is okay and stuff. Like, if you ever need a shoulder to talk, like, I don't understand, but I want to learn from you. Like, and not only do I want to learn from you, like, I want to be educated with you. Like, whatever you're learning, please pass it down to me. And, like, I was just, like, so grateful to have, like, good people surrounding me, but also aware of like the people that I call my true friends and stuff and like Mm. noticing that. And Mm. what also like kind of gets me mad or like aggravated is just that, um, especially like I know church is like really conservative or like they think this is a political stance and I really don't think so. And like just reading verses, like um, I just remember a verse in the Bible where God is like, you need to walk with the poor or like you, like you need to use your voice for people mm. that can't be unheard. And then when I see Christians or like other people that I know that have like a religious background or like they are religious, stay quiet or like not speak up. It's like, are you're not really following what God's saying? Like you're quiet. And they're like, this is not, this doesn't have to do with God. Like this, this is a political matter. And I'm just like, I don't think so. And like stuff like that. So it gets me like really angry when I hear stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, Definitely. I love your point too about, you know, Jesus walking with the poor and, you know, kind of giving those people who don't have a voice a voice right now. 
And um, I was actually, I came across this verse today um, and I thought it was, it was really powerful. It was in first uh, Corinthians. I actually have pulled it up on my phone right now. And it kind of goes uh, to, to the point on the conversation that you and I just got off with um, Springfield college and the, in the multicultural affairs of uh, putting that on when it was, it was referencing that video when she, the lady was talking about how, like when you're solving a hard problem, you should have a diverse group of people with diverse intellects. And I thought that was so powerful. And the section in this Bible that I want to highlight is unity and diversity in the body. And it says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts from form one body. So it is with Christ. Even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And I just thought that's so powerful. And it kind of speaks to your point on people staying silent. Like since I'm a foot and somebody else is a hand, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're still connected to this whole body. And if I don't, ex just because I don't experience it doesn't mean it's not happening. And I think there's a lot of dangerous connotations when we fall into the trap of denial and despair. So like I, I could, deny this whole thing because I don't personally experience it. And because I'm denying myself, I'm shutting myself off from further learning and understanding and trying to empathize and being compassionate with those that are struggling with this. And also the whole despair, uh, you know, I think if we just stay hopeless and say, you know, there's nothing we can do, like racism is just a thing, um, then we're never going to make progress. We're never going to strive towards change. And I really am a firm believer that it starts with the individual. Like I need to take ownership. I need to take personal responsibility because if I can't admit that I'm part of the problem, then I can't work towards becoming part of the solution. Yeah, I fully agree. Fully totally agree. And definitely something with this movement that kind of just, it ties into everything for me. I, I feel like so many things are connected even when we don't see it, for example, like my motto for the step-by-step -step organization is helping others one step at a time. And the reason why I did that is because people think that they can't make a difference by what, how they do it. It's like, well, I'm just one person. Like if I post something like, is that really going to change anything? Yes, yes, and yes. It starts with you. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy and kind of weird, but like literally you have to speak up. It starts first in your house because it's going to be passed down to generation and generation after you if you don't stop it in your house. You know, if if your parents have some prejudgmental um, thoughts and like just actions on their heart towards people of color, that's going to be passed down to you. And then it's going to be passed down, passed down. Even in the Bible, like generations upon generations of sins were passed down from generation to generation because they forgot to take care of their sin themselves. And it's like, if you don't want to do it for you, at least do it for your children. Like at least do it for the generations that are going to yeah. come after you. And I've seen like generation after generation, you see like it's from the 1960s. To now we made a lot of change because generation and generation is starting to get it. And we're not totally there yet, but we're making, we're making change. And that's an incredible point to me. And I don't mean to throw my own self under the bus, but he was like, he was like, he was, I was like, you know, this, this, I want to be part of this movement, but I just, it sucks because I don't know if this can ever get 1000% better. Like, and then Max was like, well, in like the 1960s or back then when they were segregating bathrooms, like no one thought that that was ever going to change either, but it did. And a lot of people think that, you know, it can never change. And it's like, that's probably what they said 50 years ago too. It's like, mm -hmm. it can change. Like yeah. it can get better. And 
the thing I feel like the biggest, biggest thing that the devil can like force you to think is stop hoping. Like hope is the gasoline for faith. And if we, if we stop thinking and hoping that God can change the situation, then we don't have the gasoline for faith anymore. It can't change it. And I feel like so many people have, have stopped hoping that this situation can change and stopped hoping that, you know, one day the African-Americans won't get looked down on in police brutality and have the same opportunities as white people. I feel like people, have, they say it, but I feel like they stopped hoping it. Like they literally like they're doing all these things, but like in their mind, probably like, I'm still going to have to live like this for the rest of your life. And the devil's like, that's exactly what I want you to think. Instead of thinking we can get out of this, we can get better. We can be part of the solution. And me and Max talk about all the time. If we have a multi-ethnical, you know, multi-generational church. And I feel like by the time we get older, you know, my job is in Waterbury. I want people of all colors to come together and to worship the Lord. And, great point you know i feel like i listen to a lot of past and they bring up incredible points and it kind of put on my heart to say this and what michael todd said and i think max i think either we listened to this together or he sent it to me it says as it is in or as it is on earth as it is in heaven and in heaven it says that every race every color every person will bow down to him mm-hmm. so as it is on earth as it is in heaven so if it's like that in heaven, that every race will bow down to him, that's how it should be on earth. And I feel like a lot of people, they're just like, their walls are up. And it's going to take a little bit to break down the walls. But if you never throw the first punch, the first brick's never going to fall. And it's like, we have this whole wall. It's like, you just got to keep, you just got to keep moving. This isn't going to change overnight. But if we don't start the movement now, then, you know, we stopped hoping for it. So I definitely like feel like I feel like that's something that the devil tries to play on me a lot is that it can never change, but it can and it will. And I feel like it will. I think that's for me, too. Like just Mm. first hearing the news that like another black man has died on the ground with a police like police Mm. for me are supposed to be like people protecting others like it doesn't like no matter who you are they're supposed to protect you no matter what like they are the first responders and like me seeing this this is not the first it's not the second or third time there's so many times where a black man has died at the hands of the police and like for me you know it's like the first time I cried the second time I cried but like now this time I was just like wow this happened again like I was just so numb like there was just no feeling like Mm -hmm. Like, there's no hope. Like, we're always going to be in this stage. Like, there's no moving on, especially, like, what's going on right now. Like, there's so many people dying. Like, there was Ahmad Abori, I think. I don't know if that's her, if that's how you pronounce his name. But, like, so many others. And it's not even Black men. It's, like, Black females, too. Breonna Taylor. Like, I was so surprised. I usually hear about Black men dying. But, like, when I saw a Black woman dying, I was just like, wow. Like, I'm scared now. Like, I'm worried. Like, there's a panic in me. And I was just like can I ever move on? Like my kids future, like their kids future. Like, how do I explain this? Like, I can't even like, it's not just in America. Like it's everywhere. Like I was thinking I should just leave. I should just move away and like move away from this. Maybe it's better in Europe or like somewhere else, but it's not, it's like everywhere. So like definitely the devil does play on my hope because like I, for the, in the beginning of this, I had no hope. I was just like, well, this happened again. Like, I guess we're like stuck. We're like, we're literally stuck in change. Like there's nothing going to change. But like now that I'm seeing protests and like words of encouragement and like 
people trying to bail out people from protesting and like all this stuff like people are shedding light on police brutality or like police officers that are supposed to be doing their job but they're not it's just like there's just like this motivation or like this empowerment in me where I'm just like yes we can change like yes we can do this so like right now I'm just feeling empowered and I'm like I'm able to take on things like as it is like I'm just able to go at it with full force now than I was before where I was just like there's no hope of changing Mm, definitely definitely I was actually listening to a video the other night and it said more is caught than is taught and it's not our fault that we were born into this but that doesn't mean it's not our fight and Mike and I talk about that I just I find so much empowerment that like we could be the generation that stops this and you know just see protests seeing all the advocates and the activism that happening it's it's hopeful um and i think one thing like i was really apprehensive and i was uncomfortable to reach out to you jennifer because i I didn't want to you know i know we were talking about in the last talk we just got from when it was talking about you know putting a spotlight or like a a post child on on the situation right now um but I think like we need to walk in that, that discomfort and we need to embrace that in order to have these intentional conversations because the devil was trying to tell me, no, don't do this. Like, it's just uncomfortable. You're going to, you know, make her seem out like, like an outcast, just all these lies that I was hearing. And then when I brought you on and I, I heard how much you appreciated me reaching out to you, it gave me so much encouragement. I knew that, you know, this was, God was working in this, you know, the devil was yeah. trying to stop it. He was trying to keep it in the dark. He wanted to keep me from even reaching out and trying to have this proactive conversation. So I just really appreciate that you were so, and, and, and you were so excited to come here and really, you know, talk about such a tough topic. And just for everybody listening, I would just encourage you to, you know, try to be comfortable being uncomfortable and, and try to have these conversations. It's, it's very, okay. it's, it's so discomforting, but it's so necessary right now in a time like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, like, don't worry, you never have to feel uncomfortable. Like, I really, <laughs> it was, like, amazing, because I was, like, wow, like, because Max, we never really talked until this year, and I was, like, oh, my gosh, like, he hits, he's hitting me up. Uh, okay, was, am I in trouble with FCA or something? And then you were, like, <laughs> oh, okay, we want you to come and talk. And I was, like, of course, like, I'd love to, like, it'd be great. Definitely. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being on. Um, you talked about kind of like your family, how they were both, I think, immigrants from Haiti, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know, you know, obviously me and Max, you know, we were both grown up, you know, we both grew up here and we both like, were you born in America or were you born in Haiti? Yeah, I was born in America. Born in America? Born in New York. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like, obviously, you know, has it been like, I guess, tough? like as an immigrant and like I guess people have people like prejudge you because of it or like did you have opportunities I guess that came up that you were you had to fight for rather than just given to you um yeah definitely I think because both of my parents are not from America they don't really know like as a young child they didn't really know about the African-American culture like I had to go and learn that myself like they were just like I don't know like in the African-American culture or black culture, Caribbean people tend to separate themselves from like the whole thing. So like, they don't really know anything or like they don't find the time to get educated. But like, I'm happy that my parents really put me in like, 
a school where they were like, hey, like this, this is everyone. Like Jen, you need to learn about this and that. And I think it was definitely hard for me because um, I would, majority of my life I've been with like white students or like white people around me and stuff. And I never really got a chance to like know who I am or like, like I know who my Caribbean side is or whatever. And I just never got into like, especially like the education curriculum in my school, we'd never really got into like black history or anything. So I like, I had to do the research for myself and stuff. And I definitely struggled with like not knowing as much as I should know and stuff, but like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Going back to your point about doing your own research, I think that's really crucial right now because there's so much information being constantly bombarded at us. And I was, I was mentioned to Mike, I was talking to a friend and he brought up this great analogy where it feels as if, you know, we have six people over us trying to pull us in a certain direction and we just don't know where to go. And we can either be another sheep led astray or we can take ownership and take responsibility ourselves and actually do the research and not, not just, you know, see an Instagram post and just immediately be drawn to that, but dig deep into it. And treat it as if you're you're writing a term paper or you're doing a research article, um, and, and just kind of take ownership with that. And, and kind of going off of that, um, for me, I know you said diving into God's word has been really important. And um, for me personally, through this whole thing, going to God's word and knowing that He's the ultimate source and He's the ultimate truth has been so comforting, especially with all these politics and these opinions. So just finding comfort knowing that reading God's word and going to his ultimate truth will help us stay on his path and, and make the change that ultimately, as Mike said, bring heaven here on earth and be his representatives. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, especially like a lot of times I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know which path to take or I don't know which right way the way is. And God's like, I'm the way I'm the <laughs> truth. I'm the life. He's like, I am the way like you're looking you're looking where to go it's like i'm the way so i i find that really comforting a lot of times a lot of times i'm like what what path should i go down and instead of asking what should you do you should ask who does god want me to become and that's something that i've always like stayed with instead of asking which person should i do ask yourself you know what person do i want to become with christ this relationship how is how I'm doing this relationship honoring God. Is it, is it pushing away God or is it bringing people closer to God? Is the things, like you said, social media, is the stuff that I'm feeding into my head bringing me closer to God's purpose or is it pushing me away? Mm-hmm. Is it getting me to hate more people or is it actually bringing me to love more people? And I had to, I'm, I'm being honest, I had to unfollow a couple of people on Instagram because it was just so much being fed into me. I'm like, I can't get this to my head because the more you get fed in, the more it gets into your heart. And I don't want that in there. Yeah. And that's why God says to strip off every weight that's holding you back. Because a lot of times we have weights that aren't like holding us back 100%, but they're tripping us up. And you keep exposing yourself to things that aren't of the right like um, mind and of the right heart that God wants it to, then it's going to get in. And that's why I always ask God to cleanse my heart. Because a lot of times there's some things in my heart that I don't want in there that God doesn't want in there. So I ask him to take out anything in my heart that's not of me and replace it with things that he has. And that's just been a struggle for me because I'm being honest, as growing up in a white household, I've 
never really was taught much about, you know, the racism type aspects. I wasn't racist at all, but just like the lives that African-Americans have to live on a regular basis, I was never exposed to it. And I feel like that's a little bit of the problem is a lot of times people don't expose it until it's too late. And it's a lot, it's a lot easier to take something then it's a lot harder to take something away when it's inside of you than to put it in when it's not in there. And it's like a lot of times we're, we're doing it way too late and we're exposing Christians to things when they're like 18 and 19, but they've already been exposed to it. So it's a lot harder to take it out now because it's already inside of them. And I really wish someone would have sat down with me at 14, at 15, talk to me about sex and relationships. Talk to me about how relationships are going to work. Talk to me about how my words to African-Americans or people of color can actually really, really hurt. And, and that I'm not trying to mean it, but it actually can affect them in a negative way. And I feel like a lot of times it's really about knowledge. And a lot of times, obviously, there's going to be people that are ignorant on the subject. But that's why God says, I am the light and you won't have to live in darkness. And the light means light in Hebrew means knowledge. And darkness in Hebrew means ignorance. And I feel like a lot of people are ignorant on the subject of Black Lives Matter because they're not taught the knowledge of it. And I feel like that's why I need to do their own research, like Max says, and get the own knowledge and teach people about it early. Please, if you're out there and you have a, I have a brother, I have to have these conversations with my brother. I know Max, you know, obviously Jesse's really into it. Max talks about with his brother as well. You have to start early because if people understand early, it's a lot harder to bring it into their heart than it is to get out. So that's what I feel like this generation start young. This is the time. It's not, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I get older. I'll get into the Bible and I'll start praying when I get older. It's like, this is the time. If I knew what I knew back then, I feel like my mind would be cleansed. But that's, that's why I'm preaching it and talking to it with other people because I really, really feel like it can make a difference. I definitely agree. Like if they mm -hmm. started like teaching, even like students in kindergarten, about systemic racism yeah. or like racism in general, like not just like the basic Martin Luther King, you know, yeah. Rosa Parks stuff. Like we already know that, like it's already done. Like I feel like if they really went in depth, like maybe this, we wouldn't be here right now if this happened a mm. long time ago. So yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I bring up this last point. I heard a, a sermon the other day. I thought it was really powerful. They talked about uh, the spiritual warfare going on right now. And how we're so divided and polarized and I, yeah. dev, the devil's kind of sitting back like this is kind of what he wants he wants he wants us all to be divided and he wants us all to be polarized um and there's two great points that were brought up that can help unite us and, and one is a common enemy and one is a common mission and i think the common enemy is okay the workings of the enemy that's going on right now. It's not people, it's not blood and flesh. We're, we're supposed to love people. And uh, I think it, we can get so caught up because somebody thinks differently than us or have a different perspective that they're our enemy, but they're not the enemy. God hates sin, but he doesn't hate sinners. And sin is an issue of the person's actions. It isn't the person's soul. So we need to go and we need to empathize with others. We need to see others as they are understanding that they're complex individuals, that everybody has a story and we are to come and unite around that, that commonality, that we're all part of this human race and that we can, um, we can all find a common grounds where we can unite in the body of Christ as one. Wow. That was um, really good. 
So the first point was the one common enemy, and the second point is the one common mission. And the one common mission is to make disciples. And Jesus says that know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm just going to piggyback off that before we head out. And then Jennifer could say anything that comes to your mind also. And it's just like division is like the one thing that keeps pulling us apart. And it's like, we need to come together. Like Max says, like we, God says that we are all brothers and sisters. Every single one of us, if we have blood and we're living, we're still children of God. And we have hmm. to keep understanding that. And God says to love our enemies. And I know that's tough for some people. Because if people disagree with you, you automatically hate them. But Jesus died <laughs> literally when people were spitting and mocking and they hated him. And Jesus said, I'll still die for that person. I'll still lay down my life for that person. And you guys are still mad at the person for like stealing toilet paper like two weeks ago. Like, come on, guys. Like, we need to come together. This is the best time to come together. And I feel like even at times where it might seem hopeless, you can be that one hope for somebody. And I like, I say this all the time. Like, like I can't tell you how many times in my life where I felt hopeless and just one little act by somebody gave me just a tiny little bit of hope. And I held on to that for so long. And it's like, guys, God says that you're the lamp and to bring everything to light. Like you can be that one light for somebody. And I really truly hope believe anybody that's listening to this you're going through a tough time. I just keep praying that a light will be brought into your light and give you hope because Jesus is hope and he's going to bring something great in. Amen. Amen. Totally agree with you. It's extremely hard for me to like love my enemy and stuff, especially since I just remember a time where I was in Springfield and I've, I've met, I've encountered some interesting people and they were, they've been extremely <laughs> rude and like weird. And I was just like, I just always think back to myself where I can't believe in that moment. I like, I had self-control and I was just like, God doesn't want me to react. Just relax, like just go at it. And then finally, when they see me come into a different approach, they're like, wow, like I didn't know she was going to do that. Like, wow, like their perspective of me changed. And I was just like, yeah, because I wasn't tempted and I was not going to go that way. So like really just knowing that God died for me, like, even for like all the sins I've done, he still mm. died for me. Like he laid his life for me. And like, I just, I like every time, like I have a situation or like something complicated in my life comes up. I always think that like, wow, like if he can do this for me, then I can take this L. Like I can take this loss. Like it's fine. So yeah. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah. And um, I love in Romans where uh, Paul writes, we are to accept one another just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. And so when Christ accept us, Christ accepted us when we were unrighteous. And like what, what Mike said, when we were spitting in his face and mocking him, when he went to the cross on our behalf. So if, if Christ can have that love, that grace and mercy, and we're called to be his ambassadors and his representatives here on earth, then we are to accept others as he accepted us in order to bring praise to God. Amen. Amen. Anyone else got anything to say before we wrap up? All I know is that when you guys start a church, please invite me so I can be there. Oh, the yes, Jen. <laughs> we'll have you, Jennifer. We love you. We want you there. We want you yeah. to be there.
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to put Jennifer everywhere. Absolutely. We love <laughs> Jennifer, her. do you play any instruments? Um, I used to play the piano. Like, I'm okay at it. Uh, you're on the worship <laughs> team. It's official. Max is starting a worship team. He needs some members. So I, need, I need some people who can, who can jam some Jesus music. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind if I say a prayer real quick before we head out? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. God, we just thank you for this this great time we had um, with Jennifer today. And we just pray that you open up our hearts, God, because I feel like there's been a lot of hearts that have been closed off for too long. And it's time to now open it up to you and let you do the construction on our hearts, God. If we give you our hearts, we know that you could help us change our habits. And it starts with the heart. It doesn't start with anything on the outside. No matter how many times we try to change what we speak, no matter how many times we try to change anything. It doesn't start until we change the heart. And I just pray that people that are listening out there that say, Mike, I, I do want to change. Mike, I do want to change my prejudgments. I do want to change the way I look at people. I do want to change the way I look at the world. God's saying, I need to get to your heart first. And I just pray that as we do this podcast, it's really opened up people's hearts, God, to you. And that's the whole main message that when people look at what we're speaking, that people look about what we're, we're doing, that it just points them to you. Because you are the true answer, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And we just thank you, God, for allowing us to have this platform to bring all these issues to life, to help people that feel like they're neglected, to help people that feel like they're being judged. And we just pray that we bring this all the light to you. And I don't know what the answer is, but I know who the answer is, and that is you, God. And I just pray that you're able to just keep bringing that on our hearts, keep working on our hearts to help building this world into the place like it is on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 That was a good podcast, baby. You already know it. I love it. My name is Michael Keaton. I'm Max Pape. Jennifer. And this is the Step of Faith podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you guys. God bless.